when we can maybe kind of shift that mindset a bit to your point to be more open, then I think we can notice more, including when I might be wearing a mask that is not in service to me and other people. And then how I can, um, once I've noticed it and, and once I've made a choice as to whether I want to keep it or not, uh, if the latter, then have the freedom to remove it. Welcome to Dialogue Creates, more than talk, where we explore issues and solutions together through the lens of dialogue. Thank you for joining your hosts, Susan Taylor and Leon Jaworski. Hey, Leon. Hi, Susan. How are you? I am great and feeling sort of spooky today. Why is that? Well, today is Halloween. It's October 31st, and all of the cute little ghouls have been running around the neighborhood already. <laughs> well, there you go. Certainly what has become um, a much bigger holiday than it used to be here in the U.S., and I also think uh, that's true for other countries as well. I was speaking with a few of my colleagues from Europe earlier this morning, and they were sharing with me how Halloween has become a bigger holiday for them. Uh, so welcome, everyone, to More Than Talk, Dialogue Creates on this very scary afternoon. Leon and I are recording on Halloween, as Leon has shared. And as part of that, uh, we thought it would be cool to talk about something that we often wear on Halloween, but maybe more often than just on this special spooky day. So as we think about ghouls and ghosts and goblins and we watch the scary movies on TV and we go trick-or-treating and maybe put up some Halloween decorations, carve some pumpkins and turn them into jack-o'-lanterns, wear the costumes, we also wear something else. And those are the masks. So there's lots of masks on Halloween and I'd like to invite us to consider there's lots of masks on every other day of the week as well. <laughs> I think you're on to something, Susan. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> well, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's very common for a lot of us to put on this virtual mask as we go out into the world in our daily lives. And even in this, speaking of the word virtual, a virtual environment, for example, uh, it's very common for us to want to shield ourselves from allowing other people to see perhaps the most authentic pieces of ourselves, which I can understand why we might want to shield ourselves from uh, being completely vulnerable. However, I know that in the context of dialogue, we have found and experienced firsthand that this level of vulnerability and openness by taking off our masks uh, really allows us to be far more open and connected. Absolutely. And to that point, I think it's first important to realize we're actually wearing one and to expose that. Um, I think we have to 
be aware that it's there before we can actually consider removing it or taking it off. And I think that gets a little challenging, especially um, in this day and age. I mean, you already mentioned virtual and I automatically thought of social media, right? All these different platforms that we're on, whether it's like a Facebook or an Instagram or a LinkedIn or, I mean, pick one. There's so many. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how we create our profiles in ways that I think link to how we were conditioned with regard to how much of those parts of ourselves do we truly authentically show, um, especially when we're not, you know, in person. So I think that is an added feature today, at least. Um, and I also think when I link it to business in particular, you know, probably the least welcome person in business for the most part is the, the non-pretender. The one who's more willing to, you know, wear the mask or to go along to get along or conform. There's a word, conform. We talk a lot about conformity um, in our business as we're working with teams and organizations and how that just completely puts the kaput on any sort of creativity uh, or, you know, productive work, actually, uh, because of the fear that is definitely attached to this idea of, I have to go along to get along so I can be part of the tribe. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. 100%. I I really like what you were saying about the non-pretender. I love that description of it. When we're bold and when we stick our neck out and when we do so without that mask in uh, an effort of of true authenticity, you're right. That is often not well-received and I think it can also be shocking for people to, again, be aware of, as you said, and then acknowledge not only the fact that maybe they're wearing masks, but to be aware of someone else not wearing one, and then to acknowledge that and be like, oh, what is this person saying? Don't they know they can't say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. And I think it's really important to note that we're not talking here about an either or, right? I mean, some in some cases, I I believe anyway, there there is um, a very healthy reason to to quote unquote wear that mask. I'm thinking, for example, of a flight attendant uh, when there's an emergency on the on the airplane. Uh, the last thing that she probably or he probably wants to expose is the you know <laughs> tremendous fear and <laughs> the racing heart. Um, as they're trying to deal with whatever is happening, you know, on the aircraft. Um, and so they, they, they're trained really to, to go into that calm space and, and kind of wear the mask, if you will, with regard to how they're maybe even hiding their own facial expressions and body language as a way to keep everybody calm so that the pilots can do what they need to do to get back on track and on course and continue with a smooth, safe flight. So I want to be clear that, you know, at least from my perspective, it, it's not an either or. I think there's there's definitely opportunities where, again, some are needed and, and can be used in healthy ways. Yes, that is that is very important and such a great point to make. And what a beautiful analogy. Uh, we could absolutely apply that to so many different scenarios in a professional environment, just in daily life, uh, where, yes, it is. Uh, almost a necessity um, in order to preserve perhaps a, uh, a certain energy or to, again, avoid creating chaos. So yes, there are certainly moments when that is not only warranted, but necessary. And 
Uh, I'm really grateful that you brought that point up because often it's really easy for me to be like, let's just be authentic and talk about whatever we want. And (laughs) while that's true, we still need to have some wherewithal in, in given situations. So thank you for that. No, I think so. I think so. I mean, this whole thing about being vulnerable and another word that's coming up, balance, you know, vulnerability does definitely connect us at a much deeper level than most anything else uh, as human beings. And you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot. (laughs) (laughs) Here it doesn't feel too good. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like how vulnerable is too much vulnerability. Um, And I just, again, think that comes with, with balance and as part of dialogue, what really comes up for me is how, um, when we think about it in terms of, of dialogue or being dialogue, as we like to talk about it, it's that space where we can suspend, not, you know, put aside, not pretend, not, you know, push it down, suspend as if it's hanging in front of me and whoever I'm with. So as to fully examine. So th- I think that for me links to balance with regard to vulnerability. And it also links to what we were talking about a moment ago that it's a, it's a both and it's not an either or the key is though, to put it out there in a way that's balanced, just to examine it, not to defend, not to get into a debate or even discussion, but just to put it out there as a way to give people even a glimpse of that truer part of me that, that is feeling excited or challenged in, in the moment of, of interaction. Oh, 100%. I I think that really ties into what we were discussing moments ago about awareness and then acknowledgement. So let's be aware that we really should present these ideas as ideas suspended in our view. And in our view, meaning the collective view, let's be aware that we should do that. And then let's acknowledge that we are doing that. And let's acknowledge what that is. And therefore, we have this opportunity to collaborate. It's, it's a with situation. And therein, we find balance as well between however many parties might be in dialogue. I love that, this idea of with, participating with. And how can I do that in ways that are truly in the moment? Because I think, again, both and balance with there are moments, at least in my life and experience where it feels safer to express or to suspend in the moment as something is happening, as a situation is unfolding, as an interaction is being undertaken. And there are other times in my life when I kind of just note that or mark it and then have a private kind of after the the situation and kind of being able to discern, you know, when, when to do that, I think is truly important, truly important, especially again, we link a lot of our work to, you know, business leaders and managers and, you know, coaches, facilitators, et cetera. Um, but really knowing kind of when to hold them and when to fold them <laughs> and then when to run, you know, based on that, what was that song? Kenny Rogers, I think it was, um, so that's something that's definitely coming up for me and, and, and having the, in your words, right, beautiful awareness to be able to discern those moments. 
Yeah, I, thank you for that. And I, I was listening and and visualizing as you were describing knowing when. Well, how do we really know when? But for experimenting and experience, really experiencing and taking that initial leap of faith to say, "Hey, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to try this out." I don't know if maybe this is the right or wrong time. I can intune that, and ideally, that's what we would suggest. And at the same time, you may not develop a level of comfort until you experiment and experience doing this a number of times. And I think, as with anything else that is new, it's uncomfortable and it's a change, and change is uncomfortable. So, breaking through that barrier of discomfort in order to gain more experience will allow us to have these opportunities to. Not only be aware and acknowledge and discern when, but also apply it more effectively and hopefully more frequently as well. I think that's brilliantly on trust. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Trust myself. And I think linked to that, when I do experiment with something and it flops, and that's happened plenty of times for me. That's a piece of vulnerability that feels very safe, you know? So you, you, you try something, it doesn't go, you know, exactly as, as you kind of envisioned. Um, and then to, you know, in a way that feels comfortable for you, sometimes humor is, is um, a way to do it more safely that, well, gosh, you know, that didn't work out so well. Maybe I'll try something else next time, or even better, maybe ask the person in real time about his or her experience and kind of get some real, you know, real time feedback as a way to see how you're being perceived and how people are feeling in your presence. I think oftentimes um, we as human beings tend to think we're clear and we say what we mean and we mean what we say. And oftentimes we're completely misunderstood, (laughs) you know, so to experiment with just being, you know, in a place of inquiry, asking the other people, hey, you know, how was that for you? I'm trying out different experiments so that I can feel safer in my skin. Like, how was that for you? That is so valuable and very relatable for me in many <laughs> situations in my life, not only in receiving messages, but certainly in giving them as well, try as I might. And I really was was honing in on what you said about if something flops. I, In my own words, I'm aware of this concept that the path to success is how often and how many times we have failed to get there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with quote-unquote failure. It comes with this stigma of such a bad word. And maybe in some cases it doesn't feel great. However... I think coming back again to that acknowledgement and awareness of it is part of how we grow. What did we learn from that experience if something flopped and or potentially failed? What did we learn from it so that we can grow through that the next time we try it or the next time we go in a slightly different direction because we learned from that? So I wanted to hone in on that because it was just ringing so true for me. (laughs) and. and and also really love what you said there about how how we're asking for feedback. I think that is so important in the learning process as well. Sure. 
Sure. And um, I took a lesson from, I think it was Thomas Edison, who said, I've never failed. I've only found 10,000 ways that did not work. So I took a lesson from him many, many, many years ago, and I decided I would remove the word failure from my vocabulary. I never say it. And that's the sentence when I can use the word never. I say I either succeed or I learn. And usually mm. it's both, <laughs> but linking to, you know, to, to what we're talking about here with failure um, and experimentation and just being open to learning, which by the way, is innate with us, within us anyway, this, this desire to learn is, is innate within us. And so when we can um, maybe kind of shift that mindset a bit to your point, to be more open, then I think we can notice more, including when I might be wearing a mask that is not in service to me and other people. And then how I can, um, once I've noticed it and, and once I've made a choice as to whether I want to keep it or not, uh, if the latter, then have the freedom to remove it. Have the freedom to remove it. And I think be expressive about that. To be Absolutely. expressive about that. You know, I'll just speak for myself. I am. Um, I grew up in a family where, you know, dad was like the king of the household, right? And so everything was in service to him. And so I learned at a really early age that kind of the best way to live my life was to please people. So I'm a very big pleaser, especially in, um, you know, my most stressful situations. That's like my default. And I was never taught. I was never taught how to create some boundaries for myself, healthy boundaries for myself. So then fast forward decades when I decided, you know what, I'm going to experiment with this thing they call boundaries. I've never really had them. Um, so when I started doing that, people thought like I had gotten possessed or something. I mean, talking about Halloween <laughs> because it was like a complete 180 for me. Mm. Right. And so I had to learn um, through constant moments of succeeding and learning and succeeding and learning and succeeding and learning, I then figured out how to be more vocal or more expressive or more assertive about like why I was doing what I was doing with regard to the boundary. So people didn't think I was just like all, to, all of a sudden like dissing them or, you know, not being Susan or what's wrong with you. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. It sure is. I, I think that also exhibits that it takes courage, it takes courage mm -hmm. to be willing to set boundaries. And I know that is often something that many of us struggle with. I sure have in my past. I, I was of a, a pleaser mindset for a very long time, and I still mm -hmm. do my best to be aware of and acknowledge that within mm -hmm. myself. Uh, because I, I think it's very important to set healthy boundaries. Even if we use the analogy of working with a, a dog, for example, a dog is much happier when it knows what its boundaries are. Mm -hmm. uh, the relationship between dog and human can be so much more pleasant when the pack knows where those roles are defined. And if we offer that to ourselves first and say, hey, this is where I'm defining my boundary, then it opens, it may feel initially like you're closing something off, but I believe mm -hmm. it truly opens up uh, a level of understanding 
with someone else so that they understand, hey, this is where you're at. And if I want to respect you and respect, you know, where this dialogue can go, I need to be in acknowledgement of those boundaries. Absolutely love it. Clarity. Mm. Clarity. That's what I'm hearing. Clarity and clarity sets you free. Yes. Clarity sets you free because it really isn't the boundary or the thing itself. It's the thought around it. And when I don't express what that is, that what that thinking is, that that thought, that experience, that past whatever, or maybe even future anxiety I might have around something, then I think that closes me off. And then if I'm closed off, it closes off others as well. So how can we bring in courage? I love that word in a way that creates the clarity so that we can communicate another C word <laughs> so that we can communicate in ways that, uh, that really do free us and open us up for learning something different and having unique experiences and maybe not having to hide so much anymore behind those masks or those things that we tend to put in front of ourselves that actually become very self-limiting. Mm. Such, such a beautiful way to describe that. And I love your wisdom, Susan. And I think that's a really strong note for us to end today's episode on. Beautiful, beautiful way to tie it all together. And I hope that this has been valuable for all of you listening and watching and participating with us. I know Susan will reiterate uh, my sentiment on asking you all to join us in the comments, like our videos, our episodes, subscribe to us on whichever platform you might be experiencing this. And if you find value in what we do, please share with your friends, share away. We, we want to reach as many of you as we can, and we want to participate with you. So that's my spiel. Susan, <laughs> anything to add? I will. I'll say friends, colleagues, family, bosses, managers, children. <laughs> yes. All of it. And as this will obviously air after this very um, awesome Halloween day, I hope you all had a good one if you celebrate it and uh, look forward to being with you on the next episode. Leanne, I can't thank you enough. Your wisdom and brilliance is always so inspiring to me. I love doing these episodes with you. So I thank you. Thank you. You humble me, Susan, and it's absolutely a mutual feeling. And uh, we love you all as much as we love each other. So <laughs> we'll see you next time. Yep. <laughs> all right. Take good care. You too. Bye-bye, right. everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for participating with us. Please visit our LinkedIn page to share your thoughts, questions, and suggestions for future episodes. Remember to like us, share, and subscribe. Until next time, this has been More Than Talk.